You are listening to The Yoni Codes, where every week we explore the secret mysteries of the divine feminine through the reclamation of motherhood, entrepreneurship, and relationship. Through the gates of your yoni and held within your womb are secret codes that when activated, spark magic, healing, and rebirth. The Yoni Codes are the wisdom keys to harnessing your power, healing your lineage, and expressing your magic in the world. We believe that if every woman unlocks the Yoni Codes within themselves, the ripple effect will be the healing of our collective. I'm Melissa April. I'm Catherine Blanco. Let us dive into the mysteries together. Hey, what's up? (laughs) I don't know. How do you start that? It's so awkward. It's like um, talking to people that aren't there yet. Like, I know you guys are there, but you're not here yet. So, yeah. okay, let me we're just We're speaking ta- to the future. We're speaking to the future. Does time really exist? Because we're speaking to them right now when you think about it, because time's not linear. It's true. I just like having a hard time connecting with the, the energy of the future. Let's, uh, let's meditate on it. Okay, let's take a deep breath. Right into the yoni. <laughs> Breathe into the yoni. <laughs> Breathe with your yoni. Take a deep breath your into your nose. Out through your yoni. Out through your yoni. <laughs> out through your nose. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that grounding. Okay. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Welcome podcast. Yes. We're here to chat with you about something again kind of pushing us to our edge talking about something that both Melissa and I have struggled with in our womanhood actually all the way back into childhood really mm-hmm. and that's toxic sisterhood and in preparation for this we had a little bit of a chit chat and already I was feeling a little uncomfortable about speaking to this in a public way because Melissa and I have had many, many conversations on this over the past year, and it's brought tears, and and it's hard to do without Melissa here in the room to give me a hug, um, <laughs> and it's something that we also feel is quite universal as well, so we, we, we need to bring this into into our podcast because we feel that a lot of us are struggling with with this experience. Yeah, and the Yoni Codes were all about creating sisterhood and community. And I think that that's important to address like the elephant in the room which is this concept a very real prevalent concept of toxic sisterhood so i'm going to read out a list of some things that might describe toxic sisterhood some things that you might have experienced in your life and i just want to invite you to feel into see how this lands in your body see which ones resonate with you i don't feel like there's one person who will listen to this who won't resonate with one of these things like this is so prevalent in our culture this is 
designed by the patriarchy. It's embedded into our relationships with each other and it has been put there on purpose. So I'm going to read them all right now. Have you ever experienced with other women jealousy, judgment, competition, gossip? You say one thing, you mean another. Have you ever avoided confrontation, avoided hard conversations? In a, have um, resistance to have boundaries, to hold boundaries, or to respect other people's boundaries? Have you ever experienced an energy vampire? Have you ever had a one-sided relationship? Have you ever avoided speaking your truth because you feared the death of that relationship? Have you ever experienced a relationship where you're only there for each other when something is wrong? Or, and this is really common, have you ever experienced your main form of bonding being complaining? Bonding over what's wrong and what's not working. And these are just a few. Catherine and I have talked endlessly about this over the last year. And I think with the rise in feminine consciousness, we are being called to rise in sisterhood from a, a healed place. And if you are resonating with any of these words or you're pondering them, contemplating them, just know that this is something that has that goes back thousands and thousands of years this goes you know you think about the witch trials and how women were turned against each other people because of the torture because of the humiliation the mutilation the the murder the persecution of women who were witches quote unquote witches meaning a woman who helped other women a midwife mm -hmm. a medicine woman aka a doctor <laughs> you know mm -hmm. if you couldn't have a baby you were considered a witch or something mm -hmm. wrong with you if you could have a baby you were considered a witch anyways women were pinned against each other people were having to turn in their daughters their mothers their sisters their aunts their cousins their friends their neighbors because if they didn't their head was going to be on the chopping block. Mm -hmm. They were going to be the one burned at the stake. This lives in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this is a faulty code that needs to be corrected. We are entering in a new paradigm right now. This is the patriarchy, the, the sickness of the patriarchy that needs to be healed and it can only be healed from us as women starting to recognize where these patterns are still living within us and changing the narrative changing the script healing ourselves healing our relationships how ha like how have you like 
How have you experienced it, toxic sisterhood in your life? Like what really stands out for you as being? Hmm, where do I begin? <laughs> because for me, I feel there was aspects of it throughout my life as a girl starting out as a young girl and then into my teen years as well you know like just trying to fit in with the crowd and not wanting to be different to to then my early 20s is I could go back, a, I mean, a little bit. And in, in my teen years, I, I found I had, I did have a group of, of girlfriends and I did separate from them a little bit in my, in the, in the 12th grade. <laughs> and I found myself befriending um, a male student and he was, he became my best friend. I found it a lot safer to be with him because I didn't have that same type of, there was no uh, sisterhood wound there and I could show up and be all of who I am with him and he could do the same. Um, and I think that's a really common thing with a lot of women that they'll say, like, how many times have you heard, like, I can get along better with guys, right? And I, oh, my God. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I found that because in grade 12, I was in theater, in the theater company at my school. So it was quite a, an intensive program and the the crew I hung out with was mostly men, like mostly boys. Well, you know, adolescent boys. <laughs> They're not men yet. Um, but they they were they became my good friends and I, I hung out a lot with a, a crew of, of guys and I felt so much more comfortable there. And to a point, I was still longing sisterhood and I did have one really good friend which it was just an in and out sort of friendship but I always really craved really craved more and when I graduated high school I started my first full-time job I had actually just started dating my now husband 18 years old <laughs> and I started getting a, a crew of really good girlfriends and most of it was because we worked together and then after work we'd go out together and it was like this I'm like oh this is what it feels like you know sex in the city type of like crew of girls and it it felt really really good and then I became a mom <laughs> and I became a mom quite young. So 
So I was 21. I was 20 when I got pregnant and 21 when Sarah was born. And I often felt like I couldn't have that part of myself be in those relationships. I had outgrown the party life, but my friends hadn't. So I found myself often not even talking about the struggles of motherhood. And my friends loved my daughter. They thought she was cute and Facebook was new back then. (laughs) And it was fun to have cute pictures of Sarah on their Facebook pages with them and, and things like that. But when I needed them, when I, when I had to cancel because she just threw up all over me or, or things like that, I was often told that I was flaky and I wasn't um, reliable. Mm. (laughs) And it was really, really difficult to navigate motherhood in that capacity of not being able to, to share when it was hard. Mm. They showed up for the birthday parties, but they didn't show up when she was sick. You know, like yeah. it was, um, it was really, really hard for me because there wasn't anyone that I really felt outside of my family that really could hold space for me then. Yeah, and I remember you even saying before, like, it was hard for you to celebrate. Yeah. I was so happy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I was so happy being a mom. Like, that was all I wanted. Like, at that point, it was a huge dream of mine to become a mother. I know it's quite young, (laughs) that dream, but I really... It was like fulfilling a big piece of my life purpose at, at a very young age. And I was really happy about it, but I could, I never felt like I could speak to it. That is, that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's when you can't be who you are and you can't speak your truth and you can't celebrate and you can't, and you're watching everything that you're doing and you've got to like, sift through what is going to be acceptable or allowed you lose a part of yourself mm-hmm. or you become very lonely and i think even losing a part of yourself I mean like we are meant to be in community we are meant to have these bonds and i think we do lose a part of ourselves when we don't have that mm-hmm. um and just like as you were talking about you know, you'd be called flaky or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> isn't this the narrative that women are flaky? They're not to be trusted. They're bitches. You know, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to get along with men because they're so much more like level headed and predictable. Mm-hmm. Women are too emotional. And it's like to deal with that as a young woman from your, you know, people who are supposed to be your friends, who are supposed to be there for you. It's like, that's so hard and a really common experience, whether you know, maybe you didn't have a baby when you were 21, but I'm sure that, I mean, I can definitely relate to this and I know so many other people can as well. 
have you uh, experienced toxic sisterhood in your in your life? How has it shown up for you? Oh man, I <laughs> I mean, from I saw this, I saw bullies. I saw, yeah, I'm thinking of like one specific bully um, who was just horrible. She was horrible. She was so mean. She had a little group, a little posse um, of little girls like in, in grade one, grade two that would just rip people apart. They'd make fun, create little books and make fun of people and pass it around and it was just like a humiliating hum it's humiliating I mean to be picked on and you do whatever you can to not be the target mm -hmm. and it was kind of like and if I ever did make anybody feel bad or do anything that resembled bullying I am so sorry I don't think that I did but who knows maybe I didn't stand up for you apologize deeply um but it's it is hard when you are in that situation because you're out you're doing everything that you can to avoid being the target and you're just like you know and i remember up until about grade six doing that just like trying to like <laughs> dodge bullets right and then grade six happened and all hell broke loose my life was a living hell until i graduated um and a big part of that was you know you don't want to stick out you don't want to stand out. You don't want to be too good at anything. You don't want to be too pretty. You don't want to be too smart. You don't want to have too many guys' attention. You don't want to, you know, you just want to be tamed down. You just want to be neutral. You just want to blend in because you want to avoid getting bullied. You want to avoid the attention of other girls, mean girls, quote unquote. Um, and that was unavoidable. So I was definitely the target many, many times. And that, I feel like for me, it it played so much on my confidence. Like I just felt like I couldn't be me. It wasn't safe. It really actually wasn't safe to be me. It wasn't safe to be the like expressed, loud, creative, funny person, you know, it wasn't safe to be pretty, it wasn't safe to do, you know, have any attention on you. And so um, that builds a lot in your in your nervous system, you know, and I how it kind of came through in high school was like, if I, I, I felt like boundaries were a big thing, right? Like, if I say I don't want to do something, and that's not accepted by another person, and it's turned on you because I don't want to go out on a Friday night. I want to stay home and watch a movie. Then now I'm going to be like outcasted from <laughs> my grade 12 year. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. Like it was really intense. The, the bullying, it was, it was crazy, you know, it's, and it's a real problem. So when I came into my adult life, I carried so much of this trauma and I still feel it. Like it's still trauma that I, I have to move through my system and it definitely played into the relationships I created as a young adult. When I left to college, I basically left my life behind. I didn't want to, anything to do with anybody that I grew up with. I didn't want anything to do with the town. I just wanted to like start over. And a part of that was like, I don't want to have friends. Like I'm going to guard myself. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to 
put a protective bubble around me so nobody can hurt me or touch me. That's what I'm going to do. And one of my, she is now a good friend of mine. Um, and she was one of the first people I met when I went away to college. Um, she was very persistent <laughs> and insistent that I be her friend. Um, and she joked about this at our, at my wedding. She was a bridesmaid and, and the, one day she got me out to go for a coffee. She, I told her, I said, look, I, I think you're great. And I'm, I'm flattered that you want to hang out with me, but I'm here for my studies and I'm not really looking for friendship. <laughs> like, this was how traumatized I was. Um, anyway, she ended up being a very good close friend of mine. And, um, but, you know, I was, I was standoffish. I kept people at bay and, and I... I realize now in hindsight how I, you know, I let people see only the parts of me that I wanted them to see that I thought would be acceptable. It was really hard for me to open myself completely and be vulnerable and, and, and go to people when I needed them. And so I found myself becoming the person that everybody would come to with their problems and when I went through my big transformation, when I, like, this was a massive rebirth. I overhauled my entire life. I went through an incredible spiritual awakening, personal growth journey. And one of the things that I kept being triggered by was my relationships with women. Um, because I was realizing how unfulfilled I was. Because it was very one-sided. And I was too afraid to share my thoughts with people. I was too afraid to share where I was at because I was scared that I would be punished because that was what my past told me would happen. So I've had to, like it took me years to navigate that and some relationships didn't make it. Some have evolved and have become even stronger. Some have just shifted and have become different. Um, but it's never easy to go through that process, especially when you're like a full grown adult and you're realizing that you 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 have a hard time communicating your boundaries. You avoid confrontation like it's the plague. Um, you're afraid to be exactly who you are and be loved and, you know, cherished for that, regardless of what comes up, you know, what state you're in. Um, that's, you know, it's hard to to be in that place. But one thing I do want to say is that it, it, what it's not about the other people. It's like I do believe that you train people to treat you the way you want to be treated. And if you don't know how you want to be treated and you're just doing things because you're trying to keep the peace, that's also going to reflect in your relationships. So a lot of this had to do with me just not being aware me not being in a healed space and me not having the emotional intelligence to be able to hold a like mature relationship and a healthy relationship so that's how it's showed up for me <laughs> um it's huge and and i feel like it, it it's hard to sum it up you know, it's it's hard to sum it up because I feel like it it continues to 
permeate even our healthy relationships, like the, these um, these past tendencies, or uh, you know, like holding back your truth um, and um, thinking that we're the problem. Like these things continue into our healthy relationships as well if we're not aware of them. Yeah. So like it the the toxic sister hood is on is on both sides it's not like melissa and i are saying that we haven't been toxic either yeah no for sure we've shown up in relationship um i mean for sure it made me standoffish and in my relation like it it made me unable to communicate my needs mm -hmm. in my relationship for years um and I have a fantastic relationship. I would consider it to be like a 9.5 out of 10. But, you know, we've also been together for 17 years and we didn't get married until year nine, you know, and we, it, you know, it was very slow moving because I couldn't communicate myself to him. And I was scared to be all of who I was. And I was scared that that would be too much. And I was scared that it, I wouldn't be accepted, that I would be rejected and this comes from, not from my relationships with other men, it comes from my relationships with women. And I think this is why it's so important because we set the standard for how men treat us, how our coworkers treat us, how our, you know, if you have a boss or a manager, like how they treat us. And because it's all about you and your boundaries. And we learn so much of that from each other as women because we are such deeply emotional and connected and like, I don't know, like we need that bond with each other. And so when that bond is broken or faulty, that's going to show up in other places. For sure. For sure. I, and um, it's interesting because when I think of, one of the ways I've defended myself or prevented or at least attempted to prevent myself from being hurt was being the weird one. Yeah. Like being the weird one yeah. because it's like, uh oh, because uh, it was easier. So like, I'm just even thinking back to being in grade six and grade seven, I had two really good girlfriends and we were the, the ones that weren't the cool girls. And we celebrated that together. And so we had a little bit of a bond over that. And I did the same thing in high school. I was the goth weird girl <laughs> for a couple of years there as a defense mechanism mechanism because I was actually made fun of a lot because of my mom being with a woman um, and thinking it was sort of hereditary and I was gay too because my mom was not that there's anything wrong with being gay obviously but um, anyway so I just how I defended myself was being a weirdo and not allowing people to get to know me because then they couldn't hurt me and that continued into um into my 20s as well it was like it was hard for me to 
show up fully in all of my relationships that could get hurt. Oh my God. I so relate to this. I mean, I've always just straight up been a weirdo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Still am. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. I love it. But um, a big way that I protected myself was drinking. Like I (laughs) probably considered myself a functional alcoholic at some point um, in my 20s. And it's not something... I'm proud of, but I, it it was something, it was the only way that I could really open up with people. If I drink, then I could be that charismatic, social, open, raw, vulnerable person with other people. And at the same time, be disrespecting myself, my body, my joy. It like I paid for it essentially. Um, and I became the person, like even in my group, in some like one of my friend groups who I still have today, and I love them dearly. But I was the one that, like, I'm gonna make you fucking laugh, and I'm going to, I'm an entertainer. I'm gonna make you laugh. I'm gonna be the center of attention. People are gonna love me, but I needed to have a drink to do that. Mm-hmm. God forbid I was sober and my awkward weirdo self mm-hmm. because then that makes you vulnerable that makes you vulnerable and and then I had this fear for a long time like when I stopped drinking as much and started to phase out of that I was like people aren't gonna like me because I don't feel that same like energy and hype and like charisma and like all of this stuff that I would feel when I drank I didn't feel that as much Mm-hmm. Um, I felt more internal and more awkward because I am just naturally kind of an awkward person. And what are people going to think? Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that was going to be acceptable. And I feared losing that, that crowd of people. And as well as other people, I had another group that I would drink with and we would have these deep conversations and we would stay up all night talking all night and you know but get me sober with somebody and i'm like eh, uh, like <laughs> i can't talk to you <laughs> like i'm not a human being um, well i found i i can relate to that as well and also surrounding myself with people who weren't going through the same thing as i was almost subconsciously <laughs> like i d- don't have very many you think I, I'm a, I've been a mom for almost 17 years and I actually don't have very many mom friends like long lasting mom friends it was it's almost like I did it subconsciously like because there's a whole probably a whole another podcast we can do talking yeah. about motherhood wounds and and relating in motherhood oh yeah um outside of outside of um sisterhood and and how that feels and and different parenting styles and and stuff so that i also feel is almost a defense mechanism as well it's like well i'm going to set myself up to have people who will never understand me so Mm -hmm. that i 
can never be fully seen. So then I can never really be fully hurt. Yeah. Oh my they, God. It's brilliant. It's like <laughs> wonderful. It's brilliant. Wow. We're so smart. Well, it's like, you think of how, like, how, like, carefully thought out and planned this was by ego was by you know our subconscious to keep us safe and protected um but then we can never be held like we can never be held and we can never be seen and we can never be fully expressed we can never be in our magic and our essence and our radiance and we don't have people that we don't have true sisters there propelling us forward helping us live our dreams allowing us to to make mistakes and be called out on it. And that is the real sisterhood that I'm after. You know, that's the real, that's the juicy stuff. That's what we need to, to thrive. Absolutely. And I feel like our relationship is such a beautiful testament to that. Totally. Because, I mean, Catherine met me at one of my most vulnerable (laughs) Mm -hmm. states when I was pregnant. And then she was with me while I was giving birth. I was in that portal and she was with my family for 10 months after where I was navigating one of the biggest rebirths of my entire life. I was all of a sudden had this new identity and two new babies that I had to take care of. So I had no choice but to be vulnerable and raw and open and exposed and you know I think we we talked about this being okay to, to share on the podcast yeah. that um you know Catherine and I have had our own situations where we've had to bring up stuff to each other and um I don't know if you want to share. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, there, was, there was one incident in particular that I feel was actually really pivotal in our friendship. And it was a point that I actually recognized that, oh my gosh, Melissa is going to be in my life forever. <laughs> because <laughs> I made a mistake. I said something very flippantly without much thought at all. And it hurt Melissa. And I didn't know. I went home that day thinking everything was cool. And Melissa was falling into that sisterhood wound of, oh, I can't say what I want to say right now. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to hurt our relationship. So she kept quiet in that moment. So I had no idea. And I came back the next day and she called me out. She sat me down and was like, I need to talk to you about something. And my heart was like a rock in my stomach. I was like, oh my God, what did I do? I ruined it. (laughs) And (laughs) I know. And she told me that something I said really hurt her. And I burst into tears like I am now. (laughs) And I said, thank you. (laughs) And I'm so sorry, but thank you for telling me. 
it like sort of explained where I was coming from and why I said what I said and how I had no idea it would hurt her. But I also expressed how grateful I was that she told me that I hurt her because she helped rewrite a lot of of past sisterhood relationships where I may have said the wrong thing and they never called me out on it. And these things just built between us to the point where there was no ability to repair. Mm. And it was so beautiful. I felt like Melissa's ability to be vulnerable and share with me her pain allowed for our friendship to become even stronger Mm. that she respected me enough that she respected herself enough to say hey this is my boundary don't go there again Mm. and I was just oh I was just so grateful Mm. I'm just like it it is emotional and I am like choking back tears right now because I was so scared to bring that up like I remember talking to Jim about it and just being like I feel like I have to like I feel like I should say something because I know my pattern will be to ignore it pretend it didn't happen with you but then to Jim and to myself I will get in my head about it and I'll get angry and angrier and angrier and then the relationship will blow up yeah and end or fizzle out or fade away or something and that terrified me and I I guess like as well because we were developing this friendship but also you were working with our family at that time too so we had this like dual (laughs) relationship that and i i was really scared that if i said something that the chance of us having a relationship past our working relationship wouldn't be there and that was really terrifying to me like it was it was a big deal for and you know I feel like the way we're talking about it, it sounds like it was this big, nasty thing. Like it wasn't, it was something like, you know, but it it was meaningful and big enough. It's something I said. Yeah, it was like, sorry to interrupt, but it was like something that was sort of said as a joke without a filter. And then later I was like, holy shit, that was not appropriate. Yeah. Like when she like oh you're right that that was not appropriate I definitely shouldn't have said that yeah and what was awesome is that even though you were afraid (laughs) of messing up our budding friendship it actually did the opposite and brought us closer together I was like I was shocked (laughs) like shell shocked that you said thank you like your response to it, because you guys, like, I remember coming into 
my own as you know i went through this big rebirth period and having had conversations with people in the past like needing to bring something up either i would you know it just it was things that i needed to get out and i was trying so hard to change that about myself instead of holding things in and letting things build sharing from my heart in a loving way how i felt and having had that backfire on me to the point where I've, i have lost friendships in the past um from that and so i was terrified that that was going to happen again and your response was just i was sh- like i was honestly shocked and literally like i felt like we were just like something happened energetically between us where it was like oh my god like this is what it can be like i can yeah i we we have this bond and we have this love for each other and this emotional intelligence that we are building and cultivating and being in our power and having these beautiful vulnerable i think it's because the vulnerability that we've shared as we were getting to know each other that created this like beautiful foundation where it's like i i can trust that i can have my boundaries and that'll be loved and respected even if that means i have to bring something up and that i know that you can have that too like you get to have your mm-hmm. boundaries you get to say things that are on your heart and i get to be in that with you and it doesn't have to mm-hmm. ruin the relationship and it doesn't have to make things weird in fact it can bring us together yeah and, and it can I, make it stronger make it stronger and i remember you saying like i feel like we just dissolved a sisterhood wound and i was mm. like my mind was blown i'm like oh my god <laughs> we did like i feel that re that reprogram like happening as we speak and i think that this is why we like thought that this would be a great idea to do this podcast together because Mm -hmm. you know we definitely had concerns about you know is this a bad idea to mix business and our relationship and you know collaborate in this way like what if we don't agree on something. What if we have to have a conversation about something? What if, what if, what if? There's things that we're going to have to naturally communicate with each other. And what if that is the death of this relationship? And I genuinely had that concern. But I also don't think I trust anybody else to have that kind of, I mean, you're one of those people that I can absolutely yeah. trust that we could, we can navigate that together. Totally. And I feel our purpose in sharing that with you guys today with you listening out there is to be an example for the possibility of this in your life. Like you can also create these relationships in your life and I feel like the first step is actually recognizing that you may have some toxic sisterhood around you. Mm-hmm. And because it's so prevalent that a lot of times it feels normal to stifle back your truth or to feel like you're too much. 
and to not feel safe and to make it about you rather than being able to, to perhaps call in the other person and allow them to hear your truth and perhaps giving them a little bit more credit than you have been and mm -hmm. seeing where it lies. Like, what would it feel like if you, if you told your friend how it feels that they keep canceling on you or, you know, like, or if you spoke up to your mother that, I don't know. That <laughs> no, totally. It's that, like the, and it's that, these little ways, right? That yeah, we can that, start holding our boundary and just testing out the waters. I actually had a client this week who's practicing reinforcing her boundaries, and she was so scared to have this conversation with somebody that had done done something, and there was, and she was festering and festering and festering, and when she finally had the conversation, it was received with so much love. Mm. And so we were talking about that and it's like, yeah, like we oftentimes make it to be that it's going to be this big thing and we're not giving the other person as much credit as we could because we're internalizing some really deep seated fears that are real and they are planted there by the fucking patriarchy. <laughs> yes. And we may, and a lot of it is subconscious too like a lot of it we're not even aware of and the other piece is if you allow yourself to be vulnerable you'll you speak your truth and it doesn't land in safe in a safe place then that can also be a gift too it can you can realize like okay maybe this this friendship isn't for me yeah and it hurts <laughs> it hurts it's not easy no but i feel like it's way better to just have one or two really close sisters than a whole handful of drinking buddies <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> or people or people that you're like you know, there's jealousy or judgment or, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like so much of this is sparked by our inability to hold boundaries and respect boundaries. Mm -hmm. And you got to ask yourself, like, if you have a hard time speaking your truth or holding a boundary, ask yourself where in your life do you have a hard time holding somebody else's truth and respecting somebody else's boundaries because these were questions that I had to ask myself and get really honest with myself about in my own relationships with people um, because my experience is my experience, but I'm creating that based on my relationship with myself. So mm -hmm. it, it's confronting work because yeah. whether you're if you're going to confront somebody else you're confronting yourself and you're confronting yeah. your deep-seated fears and that is not a comfortable place to be holding boundaries when you are not used to it is so fucking uncomfortable it is going to hurt it is going to scare the shit out of you but the more you do it the easier it becomes like a muscle 
<laughs> yeah, it is a muscle. It's stronger as you as you continue. Yeah. When you go to the gym and you rip your muscles, just those little micro tears and it hurts, right? And this is the process. But you find your you find your tribe, you find your community, or you find those people who also desire this for themselves, desire these healthy, bountiful relationships. They they desire this. What is the opposite of toxic sisterhood? Thriving sisterhood. I love it. Magical sisterhood. Bountiful sisterhood. (laughs) Yeah. We're creating a bountiful sisterhood at the Unicodes. Bodacious. Bodacious. (laughs) But no, I mean, we're creating a safe space for people to be fully expressed. We want this to be a community where you can practice being in your power, where you can practice exploring your boundaries and using your voice and sharing your truth and I and I think why this is so like this is this is important because it's so important to us like we want this we don't want to just like you know do this flippantly or you know with no thought it's like we're doing this because we desire this and we recognize that this is a deep need mm-hmm in our culture and and really for the healing of the planet mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta find those those people yeah and it starts <sighs> with you so if you're having a hard time finding people in your community check yourself first and see where you are yeah where where you can be showing up for others in a truthful, honest way. Yeah. I mean, I had this. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Jim was like, tell your listeners that they the babies were having a fight over the video call with the grandparents. They like, <laughs> anyways, if you can hear them crying, that's what it was. But now he was giving them pancakes, but now I can hear them crying again. So anyways, um, I totally forgot I what I was it. saying. <laughs> I feel like, okay, I think that this is like the integration is like checking yourself, checking where do you not hold your boundaries? Where do you not honor other people's boundaries? Or you find it hard to receive other people's boundaries? Because I think oftentimes we avoid confrontation. We avoid speaking our truth. We avoid all of these things because we're afraid of people communicating their boundaries to us because that Mm -hmm. puts us in an uncomfortable, awkward position. We don't know how to hold it, right? Um, but I think the, the, the Yoni code here has so much to do with boundaries, yeah. like the importance of our boundaries to having thriving sisterhood mm-hmm. and connection. You are your first sister. You yourself, you got to check that relationship with yourself. You got to check that sisterhood within yourself, with yourself, and then let that ripple out. Yeah, because your sisterhood should feel when when you're with other women, it's you should feel like you can be all of yourself, that they're behind you, celebrating you, that 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 when you feel like you're not enough, they're there to remind you that you are. Yeah. Yes. 
yeah, when you're around people, it's like you leave them feeling activated. You leave them feeling closer to your truth. Mm -hmm. You feel inspired by their celebration. You feel inspired by their growth. And, you know, that I feel like that's how it gets to be. And it might not happen overnight, but it's taken me into my 30s, into my late 30s to find true sisterhood in this capacity. So I hope it doesn't take all of our listeners that long. But but the, but that's the reality of it, it, it that it it can take time and a lot of that is also self growth that I've experienced over the years too. Yeah, and I think you know I, I know a lot of our listeners are people who are out there doing their sacred work. They're entrepreneurs, you know. And that can be a really lonely experience. And I feel like that can also ignite um, or trigger rather a lot of those sisterhood wounds because you do feel alone and and there's this built-in sense of competition and and or jealousy and or not enoughness, like why this person's having the success and I'm not, or this person has this and I don't measure up or it just, it activates a lot of stuff. And so I think this is a really important conversation and more and more and more and more and more women are branching out and starting to create these, these lives for themselves where they're sovereign in their work and and in their lives. And, and this is naturally stuff that's going to come up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know entrepreneurship has brought up so much of this stuff and it forced me really to deal with it because it didn't make sense for me to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I would just go back to my salary job, you know. So uh, I feel like we could do a part two. This was a lot. Yeah. As I want to close with, with just a... And knowing that that you can find, if you are feeling right now, as you're listening, like, oh, that you really want this, um, I guess I want to leave our listeners with, with some hope that it's there, mm-hmm. that, that you can find it. Um, and... And that you don't have to be small or less than in order to you get you get to get your your you get to have a sister without having to change or alter who you are. Mm. She is out there. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like we're talking about like our soulmates, but it's so true. Like because it's the same thing as it applies to like what you would say to a a friend about her love life like totally. the right person is out there for you and you that right person is going to love you for who you are they're going to bring out the best in you you know it's going to be healthy and amazing and and the same goes for our intimate sisterhood relationships it's very intimate being a woman in a relationship, like in a friendship with another yeah. woman, because we are so 
fluid. Fluid. And <laughs> emotional creatures <laughs> and cyclical <laughs> and deep and magical. And we have all this wisdom in our bodies mm -hmm. and in our hearts. Um, yeah. Well, very good then. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, we would love for you to come and see us over on Instagram and, and share your share your experiences with sisterhood. We'd really love to hear from you. And we want you to be a part of our community and and a part of our sisterhood over here at the Yoni Codes. We really we really do want to extend that branch of love out to you. Mm -hmm. And there will be more opportunity to um, create more connection as the Yoni Codes evolves. We've got um, things up our sleeves that we're excited to share, um, but we will share that another day. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this Yoni Code. If this episode moved, inspired, or flat out entertained you, please head over to iTunes and give us five stars or share with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at the Yoni Codes to continue the conversation. Oh, and make sure to click on the link in the profile for other ways to connect. We look forward to unlocking the next Yoni Code together.